You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today we have Jimmy Daly, who is the marketing director at Animals. And I am really excited to bring him on because I followed his stuff in the past, you know, stuff about, well, I'm going to let him share kind of all the, you know, pillar content that he's created in the past. A lot of people in the marketing community actually go around and it's like, Oh, have you seen Jimmy Daly stuff? You should check it out. So Animals is a company they focus on providing content marketing solutions for SaaS and tech companies. And Jimmy himself, he's around content marketing for Vero, QuickBooks, and a whole host of other companies and also, you know, helped Fortune 500 companies as well. So Jimmy, first and foremost, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Thanks for having me. You're flattering me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I try. But I mean, maybe it'd be helpful for everyone to get an, an idea of kind of, you know, what, just who you are in general, what led you up to your, the current point at Animals? Yeah, sure. So I've been in content marketing a long time. My first job in content was in like early 2010. It was very different back then. But as soon as I realized that I could make money writing, I was all in and I've been focused on content ever since. I first got into the B2B SaaS world a few years after that, running content marketing for Vero, which is a startup based in Sydney, Australia. They have a behavioral and transactional email tool. And it's just like really like bread and butter SaaS. And so that was like 2013, 2014, 2015. And those were sort of my uh, formative content years. Spent tons of time writing, promoting, link building, et cetera. And since then, I've taken on a couple different roles. So eventually went and worked for animals for the first time. I left to run content marketing at QuickBooks for a little while, got some exposure to like large company, like what that's like. Now I'm back at animals running marketing and sales. And so I've done all the writing. I've done all the promotion. Uh, I've managed teams of writers. Now I'm primarily selling content, which is a whole nother thing and has been a lot of fun. And I've learned a, a whole lot uh, that I didn't know doing that. So that's a very quick overview of the last like nine or so years. Okay. That's helpful. And I, mean, I, I just want to call out a couple of things that I read in the past. I remember you writing, it's helpful to educate this audience on kind of where content marketing is going and, and some content fundamental pillars of, of content marketing, right? And I remember one of the pieces you wrote was on the, the hub and spoke model. So can you kind of go over what that is exactly? And maybe I'm going to jump around and talk about the business too. Yeah, sure. So the hub and spoke stuff all started back when I was at Vero and we were trying to compete with some email marketing companies that were obviously like quite a bit larger, the MailChimps and constant contacts of the world. And we just found that single blog posts weren't enough. So we had this idea, like, what if we just throw more at it? You know, what if we create six blog posts, you know, strategically link them together and see if that will help us compete? And it worked. So I started to refine that model. And it's not like the most groundbreaking thing in the world, but essentially put together this process for creating hubs, which are, you know, kind of the definition of hubs varies quite a bit. The way I think about it is a, like a table of contents pointing you to other chapters, which are spokes. So it's basically like, it's more of a landing page than a piece of content. The idea is to get people there and then get them off as quickly as possible to something more specific. And the mechanism that makes it work is people leaving the page actually, you know? So when you have a hub page with a super low bounce rate because people are clicking away, you know, the sort of really positive engagement metrics correlate really well with good rankings in search. And so that's something that we have cleaned up and really refined over the years. And it's something that we do at Animals all the time now. 
Got it. And so a hub and spoke model would be like, I remember I would always Google, for example, I Google conversion rate optimization and I would see, you know, the, the hub page, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, would be like an introduction page, right? And then it would link to a bunch of other chapters. And the whole idea right. is that those other chapters, you know, all interlinking to each other would bolster the entire piece. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. Yeah. And it works particularly well for a keyword like that because the intent of a search like conversion rate optimization is is actually pretty unclear. And so like we found that Google is more likely to surface a page that links you to more specific stuff than it is to, you know, surface results of like what is conversion rate optimization. Got it. Okay. So what do you think, I mean, for you personally, what's been the most successful kind of content marketing win in your career? Uh, that's and a metrics would be cool too. Yeah, I guess it, you know, it depends a little bit on, on how you choose to measure it. So there was a hub and spoke thing we did at Vero where I wrote this really, really long piece about life cycle marketing. And it was broken out into, I think, five chapters. In like a two-year period, it got like 300,000 page views. It was hugely successful in terms of traffic. Whether or not it, con- it actually like converted any readers into customers was, you know, it was, well, one, it was kind of unclear. And two, it was, I know that it was less impressive than the traffic numbers. I would contrast that with the writing I do at Animals, which is, I call it bottom of the funnel thought leadership. Like I basically look for trends in the sales calls that I'm on, write articles about them. Those articles generate, they don't generate much traffic, but they do generate some really high quality leads. So like I can think of like one blog post that helped us land like $200,000 in new business. So like depending on how you measure it, like I, I'll take the latter over the former any Yeah. Well, let's talk about the latter then. So what would be an example? Like, do you even remember the, maybe the, the thing that prompted you to create that? Like, well, I'll just leave it at that. What was it? Yeah, sure. So one thing I kept hearing on sales calls was that people had just raised a new round and they finally had the marketing budget to invest in content marketing. And this kept happening. But we found that a lot of these venture backed companies lacked patience. Like they really wanted results quickly. And that doesn't, that's not always compatible with content marketing. And so I wrote this piece about why venture back companies struggle with content marketing. And that has really resonated with people. And so when people, one, it generate has generated some awesome leads, but two, it's been a, a really good conversation starter for folks who have raised money, reach out to us. And then now I have this thing to show them to kind of help, like kind of help guide their thinking on content. Right. So now it's just like you're on the call with them and they, they bring up the same topic and you're like, oh, by the way, I created this. You, you guys should just check it out. Exactly. Got it. And so a, a piece like that, I mean, you go for like a maybe head tail keyword, like again, conversion rate optimization, which probably gets a lot of volume, but again, intent's not good, right? So when you go for a phrase like this, it probably you can't really do keyword research on it. So I guess, you know, people are, might be thinking, okay, like, but I'm going to put resources into this thing and we're not doing keyword research. So how much traffic can we expect, you know, when we're doing, when we're using this tactic? Yeah, I would say not very much. Honestly, I don't have any traffic expectations for that stuff. And to be honest, that's okay. Now I, I will caveat that by saying, Animals as a content agency is in a position where we don't need a high volume of new sales to grow the business, right? So, you know, if we have three or five new customers in a month, that's a really great month, you know, compared to a SaaS company, which is probably looking for hundreds of new customers in a month. So I would say that approach can work really well for a service business, not necessarily for a software business. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. So I guess animals, I'm going to jump back to content marketing in a second, but for you guys, what is your offering and, and how do you guys make money? Yeah. So we sell content strategy, content creation. We package those things together always. And we sell a monthly 
recurring subscription. So your plan might include two, four, eight articles a month, plus all the strategy you need in terms of audience research, keyword research, et cetera. I mean, that's that's the simple answer. And we make money by providing really, really high quality content on a very consistent basis. And we feel that we have baked that into the business model by hiring full-time writers. So we don't outsource anything to freelancers. Everything's done in-house. That allows us to be, well, one, it allows us to train and support our writers. They're an amazing team and it's awesome to be able to really invest in them. And then on the other end, it allows us to charge a premium for the product, which weeds out a lot of folks who aren't taking it all that seriously, you know? And so it's uh, it's been a, you know, it's kind of a slow linear way to grow the business, but it's it's profitable and sustainable. Great. And how do you guys, just so people have an idea, how do you guys generally charge for your content? Like what's like the price range? Packages range from like five to $10,000 a month. Got it. Okay. And so I'm assuming you guys are, you mentioned, you know, higher or I guess I'm inferring that it's higher tier content. So is there like a specific, I guess, what are they getting exactly? Is there like a specific word count? Are you guys doing the images? Like maybe a better idea of what they get from a piece? Yeah, sure. So an average article is somewhere between 1200 words and 1800 words. We help with visuals, although we don't actually do the design work ourselves. I think the more important thing that we do, though, is offer the strategic guidance. So we don't just choose keywords and start writing. Like We work with the customer to really deeply understand their business model, the people they're trying to reach, things they've tried in the past that have worked or not worked. We look closely at their analytics. We look closely at their competitors. And we come up with a strategy that we feel really confident will help them penetrate whatever market they're trying to penetrate. So I feel like that's the more important piece. Like one thing that I see a lot of content folks doing that we really try to avoid is taking a keyword and just doing like ultimate guide to insert keyword here. Like we're a big fan of going another step beyond that, looking for interesting angles, fresh ideas, just like new ways to approach well-worn topics because when it comes down to it, most SaaS companies are chasing topics that have been written a million times in the past. They have a bunch of competitors doing similar things. And you know, we feel one of the best ways to differentiate is to approach some of those evergreen topics in new ways. And what are some of those new ways? So like uh, one example that, that we use pretty often is we'll take like a contrarian view on some topic. So like if everybody else is talking about working fast, we talk about working slow. Like we actually wrote an article about, I think it's actually called when your competitors are moving fast, move more slowly, something like that. So that's just one of the ways. Another way is that we might go look for some anecdote or example that is truly timeless. Like we might, we might pull that from like, you know, some study or piece of research we found that's like 50 years old. Right. And that sort of like helps put this new idea in context of like what's happened in the past. And there's a number of other ways we go about it. Like our, we have a content strategy team who sits down with any new customer and goes through this process of ideation in, in great detail. Okay, great. And I'm assuming a lot of this stuff, you guys have it published on your blog too, or a lot of your processes and kind of thought leadership pieces. Some of it, yeah, some of it. We have NDAs signed for many of our customers. So we can't like share a lot of the specifics of the things that we do, but we are trying more and more to highlight like, you know, real world examples. I can tell you that anything that's on the animals blog is born from experience with customers. Everything in there, we have experienced that thing. So whether or not we name the folks, it has happened. Great. And for you guys, I mean, where's the source of your leads coming from? And it might be a simple answer. It might just be content marketing. I don't know, but you tell me. 
Yeah. So I would say roughly half of our leads come from our own blog and podcast and the other half come from word of mouth. And that word of mouth bucket is, you know, just our customers recommending to peers at other companies or they leave their company, go to another company, bring us with them. There's also a couple of venture capitalists who we work with who really like animals and they recommend us to their portfolio companies. So that half word of mouth bucket, which is about half the leads comes from a handful of different places, but all very organic. Yeah, we're roughly similar on the on the agency side. It's yeah, it's uh, about sixty five percent content, thirty five percent is kind of word of mouth referral kind of stuff. So similar to an extent, yeah. yeah. So how do you think? This is a more general question, but where do you think people are missing the mark on content marketing in general right now? From what you see, I can think of a, about a dozen ways. But you know, the thing that here is the thing that we see most often, which I find to be a little perplexing. Silver lining is it, it's one of the reasons people hire animals. But I did this article for the animals blog recently, where I just like kind of pulled trends from like things I see in our sales calls. I've done like 180 sales calls in the last like roughly, I don't know, 12 to 15 months. And one thing I that is just so consistent is that no one has a documented content strategy. Like there's nothing. You know, there's no document that gets everybody aligned, that gets buy-in from stakeholders and management. It's all just kind of off the cuff, ad hoc. And I find that to be interesting, kind of frustrating, sometimes understandable, but yeah, like a docu just a single document that outlines who you're trying to reach, how you're gonna reach them, what metrics you're gonna report on. Nobody has that. Okay. And so Love that. And how do people get started by with doing content strategy? I think you actually have a blog piece on this. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. And uh, yeah, we, we basically suggest that you answer a handful of simple questions. I mean, I think one of the reasons people don't have a documented content strategy is because they don't know what exactly to document. Another reason is that content teams are increasingly pulled in different directions. So it used to be the content team was just there to grow a blog. You know, now content teams, particularly at larger companies, are asked to help the product team announce a new feature. They're asked to help the partner marketing team with a collaboration. They're asked to help the sales team create case studies. And so like there is no like real direction for them. They're more of like an internal agency. We basically suggest that if that's the case and that's the best way to serve your company, great. But document it and decide how much of your time goes to that and how much of it goes to growing a blog. And then to be realistic about how quickly you can grow that blog. And then we just give you like a couple of simple questions that you can answer to help guide the creation of a strategy. And it's really simple stuff. You know, who's your target audience? How often will you publish? What metrics will you track? How often will you report on those things? Stuff like really basic stuff like that. Okay. Makes sense. You mentioned, uh, going back to the business for a second, you mentioned you guys have like a subscription, like a monthly subscription. Is that software or is that service? Got it. Yeah. All service. Got it. Okay. Cool. And you guys actually do have a free tool too. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So we did, uh, we just launched a, our first free tool. It's called Revive. It plugs into your Google Analytics and it will look for articles that are decaying. So it basically looks for downward trends over the past 12 months in your analytics and it looks exclusively at organic traffic. The idea is that it will provide a list of articles that should be refreshed for you. Okay. And this is this is interesting to me because I, I know one of your co-founders, the company's co-founder, Walter, I believe, right? He yep. had a software before called I Done This. And he, he I think, I guess it shut down and it, it went in, over into a content agency. Do you know the story behind that by any chance? 
Yeah. So Walter started this business. I done this. He actually sold the company. Got it. So the company still exists. He doesn't run it anymore. Soon after selling the company, he decided to start a content agency because he had grown. I done this primarily through content. He looked around at the SaaS landscape, wasn't very impressed at what he saw and felt like, you know, he could provide a better solution. And so that's, that's how animals was born. And that was about four years ago. Okay. Great. And you talked about Revive as a tool. So I want to go back to tools for a second. So what is in your content marketing, I guess, tool stack? All the basics, really. Google Analytics, Ahrefs. I'm a big fan of Alexa.com. They have a pretty awesome site auditing tool that we use regularly. First time I heard that. Yeah. So actually, most people don't... I think most people think of like the Alexa rank, but they actually have a pretty interesting suite of marketing tools. We're definitely a fan of those. You know, other than that, I don't know that there's any like interesting secret tools we're using. We use Quip for all of our writing and editing. We find that to be a pretty good tool. And I think that is primarily where the magic happens. Have you checked out, like I was talking to the chief product officer of uh, Market Muse yesterday, and he gave me a demo of all the stuff they have. Like there's tools out there like ClearScope, and then there's tools like Market Muse to help content marketers in general. Have you played around with any of those? And if so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we use ClearScope. Bernard, founder, is a friend of ours. And I think it's a fantastic tool. As an agency, our challenge with a tool like that is it sort of forces you to compete along this same parameter. You know, like when it grades your content against other content that's ranking well, all of it converges, you know, because you're just, it's sort of measuring you on this one thing. And like I mentioned, we're kind of always looking for new and interesting ways to approach some well-worn topics. And so if we can, we prefer to take an approach that relieves us from the responsibility of like overly optimizing stuff. Now, in some cases, you have to fight that battle. You have to go sort of bigger, longer, whatever, in order to rank for a certain keyword. And so in those cases, we absolutely use ClearScope. And I think it's a really interesting and cool tool. Love it. Okay. And how about in terms of content marketing books or blogs, other than the stuff that you have already, what do you recommend that people check out? I don't read hardly anything about content marketing from other companies. And there's two reasons for that. One is that I've just sort of generally been unimpressed with the stuff I see out there. The second is that there is so much going on inside our company that we can learn from. Like we can learn directly from situations with customers. And I just find like that hands-on experience is so much more valuable than reading about someone else's experience with content. Now that said, There's a lot of stuff I read, which I find to be incredibly helpful for content, but it tends to be more about business strategy. So like, for example, earlier this year, I read Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. I found that to be just a fantastic book. And I found all kinds of stuff in there that ended up being really useful for the way that we think about our business and even the way we think about our own content. Love it. Okay. Great. So that book's really good. I guess, is there any... I'm going to give a little bonus too. So maybe... Working towards wrapping up here, what is one new tool that you've added in the last year that's really helped you in your life? Or it could be for business too. So for me, I just got a Peloton bike like two months ago and I've been using it a ton. So anything like that could be an app, could be a physical thing. What do you got? Oh man, that's a good question. I did buy these. I don't know if this is exactly what you're looking for, but I did finally splurge and buy some Bose wireless noise canceling headphones and they are (laughs) life-changing. Yeah, they're like 300 bucks roughly worth every penny. Cool. And how about one more book? What's one more book you'd recommend to the audience? Okay. I read a book earlier this year called No Shortcuts to the Top, and I absolutely loved it. It's about this guy. It's an autobiographical account of this guy, Ed Viesters, who sets out to climb all of the world's 8,000 meter peaks. That's like 26,000 feet or higher. 
without supplemental oxygen. It takes him like 20 years to accomplish it. Wow. He runs you through the training, the planning, the logistics, the struggles on the mountain, the failures. And I just found that to be just hugely inspirational. So highly recommend that. And it's a really easy read too. Wow, that's fascinating. Just recently, I heard from there's a woman from Nepal that climbed uh, Mount Everest with a group of like seven girls or so. And she she did this for like a bunch of other mountains too. So I'm always into stories like this. So I, literally, I'm on the page right now and I'm going to hit buy now with one click. <laughs> nice. You um, won't but, be disappointed. Cool. I think I'll enjoy it for your 314 ratings, 4.5 average. That's great. So, Jimmy, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Probably Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot, maybe too much. It's just Jimmy underscore daily, D-A-L-Y. That's probably the best way to just see like what we're up to. Like I'm always sharing stuff about animals, our latest articles. I also test a lot of our, our future article ideas on Twitter. So I'll share something, you know, see what kind of response it gets. So if you want a preview of what's to come, that's also a good place to learn about that. All right, Jimmy, thanks so much for doing this. Well, thank you, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.